News. 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 New York City. FAQ NYC podcast getting more and more interesting by the minute. FAQ. It's FAQ NYC. It's election night in New York City. And that means that once again, we have the uh, great and game Ben Max of Gotham Gazette uh, rejoining me and Chrissy to uh, talk about what's just happened. So there were not citywide a ton of really competitive races or surprising outcomes. Uh, There were not so many voters, it looks like. Uh, The last I saw with like 80 odd percent of the, the votes in, there were about 600,000 votes, which is really low. It's a shame. And Eric Adams gave a uh, lengthy, I thought, really uh, charming speech talking about a new day for New York. And uh, that this is us. This is not just me. This is all the New Yorkers have been left out. We're coming to City Hall. And Pretty soon, we're going to see what that actually means. Uh, ben, what was your overhead view of uh, what just happened in New York and where the city is headed now? Well, listen, I think most of what we see here in the results is uh, a lot of what we thought we knew would happen after we saw the very contested primaries, but making it official is pretty important, obviously. A few little surprises around the city with some other, you know, smaller races that maybe we can get into for the city council, but pretty much everything on the citywide level and and borough-wide races, what we expected. And from Eric Adams, you know, a lot of similar themes, a lot of similar promises to what we've been hearing on the campaign trail for a year now from him and for several years as he was gearing up to run this race. Um, Some really, really big promises, which, of course, you make when you're running for, for mayor. Uh, and he has a lot to uh, a lot of those to fulfill now uh, in short order. And that starts with starting to really assemble an administration and show, you know, he's going to have to show his cards a lot more. There's it's it's he, so many of his pledges and his policy proposals and such have been very broad strokes and they sound really good. But he's going to have to make some, you know, really tough choices eventually uh just for one example he keeps talking about you know on things like this vaccine mandate that he supports the mandate but he would do it better than bill de blasio because he would have gotten labor to the table and and gotten everybody to agree on something that's very easy to say when you're running for mayor it's much harder to do when you're actually mayor and that's going to be the case for you name it uh that he's promised to do or said he's capable of doing uh but this is a guy with big 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 uh ambition that, um, you know, he's wanted to be mayor for decades and he fulfilled that vision. So, uh, you know, now we'll see what promises he can live up to. Chrissy, what is Eric Adams' mandate? (laughs) Well, I mean, you know what's so interesting is it feels like the bar is a touch low, largely because it seems like Eric Adams wants to do the job. So I think he's coming in with somewhat of a grace period in some ways, just because. He seems excited. So, you know, the abysmal and embarrassing turnout is something that we're going to have to address as a city, for sure. But I think a lot of folks didn't turn out because it just seemed like he was definitely going to be mayor. And 
They may have been slightly disappointed that their particular Democratic candidate didn't win, but they weren't so adamant that they turned out to write in someone or try and figure out a way or, you know, mobilize a third party candidate in a, in a way where he's so egregious, we can't have it. You know, they didn't solicit someone to come in these last few months to make sure that Eric Adams didn't become the 110th mayor. So I think a lot of folks are like, it's happening. We don't really know this cat. He seems like a wild card. He, he said a lot of things. He's been around for quite some time, even though it seems like a lot of the Democratic political establishment folks don't really know him. I mean, that's the interesting thing about Eric Adams. He's been in the state Senate. He's been Brooklyn Borough President. But when you talk to some of the quote unquote Democratic elites and the donor class and, you know, people who vote in every single election and primary, they're unaware of who he is. So it seems as though he's worked with and for kind of a different type of New Yorker. That's going to make some folks a little bit uncomfortable at times. So we're in for exciting times in the sense that I think he does want to do a good job. Um, but as Ben said, you know, the campaign phase is very different from the governance phase. And we've seen with de Blasio, he loves the campaign phase and is not that interested in the governance phase. I think Eric Adams has promised a lot, as most candidates do during the campaigning phase. Now, January 1st, the governance phase with an NYPD that, you know, may see him as a traitor. Some may see him as, you know, it's great to finally work with one of us. I think that's going to be a, a split vote at times. Um, the city employees may see this quote unquote working class mayor as one of them at times and at other times see him as management. We know how that can shake out. But it does seem like he's coming in with like a fresh set of eyes that we haven't really seen in the past few years. So I, I guess I'm like leaning towards optimism in my old age. Um, this is the time for optimism, right? Election I mean, night. <laughs> <laughs> if, if not now, when, right? Um, well, you know, listen, you all know how I feel about January 1st. Like, I think that New York is one of the greatest cities in, in, the, in the United States to have their inauguration day for the New York city mayor on January 1st. Yes. We're all a touch hungover. Yes. It's freezing cold. Yes. You have to end your party a teeny bit earlier because you know, those of us who are working on January 1st, it's, it's a long day, but I think that there is so much hope that comes with the inauguration on January 1st. It's a new year. It's a brand new mayor. It just, it literally feels like everyone is turning a corner. We've got a whole new city council. And so, um, because de Blasio has been largely disinterested in the, in the gig for the past six years, I, I am curious to see what New York looks like with someone who kind of has something to prove. I mean, he has a chip on his shoulder. Um, and he started off as the front runner. He ended, he worked his plan and the plan worked. Um, and a whole bunch of New Yorkers are like, well, I didn't agree with the plan. And he's like, hey, guess what? It still worked. So with or without you, it's happening. So I remember a lot of this from uh, from Bill de Blasio, uh, this optimism, the sense of the page turning, uh, the sense of a new face of the uh, Democratic Party in de Blasio's case with this family in America. And, and, and you know, that that can change quickly with, with Adams. Uh, ben, do you just want to talk about the uh, the sort of broader political New York he's going to be coming into? Uh, he's a former Republican. Republicans had a, a weirdly strong night in certain ways. And of course, Adams had Kathy Hochul 
at his uh, at his victory celebration, which after watching uh, the Blasio and Cuomo uh, for the past eight years was, was, was something very new to see them in a room together. Listen, we'll you know we'll have a lot of time to talk twenty twenty two real soon, but um, you know, Kathy Hochul making a quick appearance at Eric Adams' victory uh, celebration was was quite a power move. And uh, listen, T- Tish James is obviously an incredibly strong politician and is going to be very formidable in this race. But Kathy Hochul has really shown in a short time that she does not mess around and she's making a lot of moves. So that's interesting. And of course, Bill de Blasio is about to get into that race too. And we'll see what Jamani Williams does. Um, so, you know, it occurs to me right now that sort of, you know, Bill de Blasio came in as this response to Michael Bloomberg promising, um, you know, the have nots to have, have, their moment, our moment, I guess, uh, short of the, you know, the, the wealthy elite. Um, but, uh, you know, he has been, uh, criticized by many for being, you know, divisive in different ways and sometimes unnecessarily so. Right. And so Eric Adams is now coming in as something of this response to de Blasio, where he is almost now expected to be basically, you know, everybody's mayor, something for everyone. He's, he's, you know, sort of coming in with this promise that he's going to be able to deliver for everyone. He's going to be very hospitable to the wealthiest. He's going to be hospitable to big corporations and developers. But I think his central promise is if you listen to him talk in his, in his election night victory speech, he's promising a pretty significant expansion of what city government does. He's promising to work with the private sector, but this is not, you know, it's always been misguided to call Eric Adams centrist or, you know, yes, he, he's more moderate on some issues than some of his competitors, but this is a guy who's got a very uh, complicated brew of, of policies. And so when we talk about him being more moderate again, it mostly comes back to the fact that he wants to be friendly with, you know, business interests and, and not vilify the elite, as he said. Um, it means, you know, certain things on public safety, although, you know, he's got a very big mix of, of thoughts on policing over decades. And obviously, you know, there's some things around like charter schools and stuff like that, but he's going to come in with this pretty big, counterweight to his left that starts with the other two citywide officials, Brad Lander and Jamani Williams, who are obviously, you know, to his left and going to be trying to pull him to the left and hold him accountable from the left. Um, But they might like a lot of the stuff that he tries to do, because if you listen to his victory speech, it sounded like a lot of stuff that both those guys would, would want a mayor to push. And then the city council is the big question mark in the larger picture here of what exactly is this body going to look like? Who is going to be the speaker? Is it going to be someone who's more from the progressive side of the tracks? Is it going to be someone who's a bit more moderate? Um, the, the sort of character of the city council is still in flux. It's going to be a majority women for the first time. It's going to clearly be pretty progressive, but how progressive and who coalesces to choose the next speaker and what Eric Adams' influence is in that process are all to be seen over these next weeks and months and hugely important in terms of the context of the Eric Adams mayoralty is, is really the leadership of the city council and the shape of that 
there's only so much that Jamani Williams and Brad Lander can really do. You know, mm -hmm. people familiar with city politics know it's it's so much about the mayor and the city council, even though there's a ton that the mayor can do on his or her own. You know what's so interesting, Ben, listening to, to you talk about Adams, he's he's in many ways like a chameleon to me. And dare I sound too cliche, but it's a little like good cop, bad cop. Like whenever he's talking to folks, largely because, you know, I, I go back to his June 22nd acceptance speech where he says, you know, Black Lives Matter, crowd goes wild. And then he immediately pivots to, well, we can't just talk about black people getting shot by the cops. Gotta address black on black crime. That's like one of the most conservative talking points of black people and white people. So like on the one hand, he's got this super progressive talking point of Black Lives Matter, which so many New Yorkers still can't bring themselves to say, and then goes 180 to the most conservative talking point of black on black crime. That's like he did the it in his Trump. victory speech. He yeah. said, I mean, yeah, you're damn right. I talked to gang members. And then he said, but that stops January 1st. It's like, well, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, I mean, I, I just, he, I'm curious, trying to pin him down as like a wave upon the sand. Like, I don't think that he's necessarily contradicting himself. I think he understands the complicated feelings that a lot of New Yorkers have. And that goes for white liberals. That goes for black, you know, homeowners. That goes for white conservatives. That goes for the immigrant community. I think he understands that a lot of folks are just like, you know, over-policing and stop and frisk is terrible. Can you arrest these kids who are like in front of my house? I think he genuinely wants to be sort of everything to everyone and kind of thinks mm -hmm. that he can be and I, you can't be and he no. won't be. And he's going to have to make some really tough decisions and, you know, piss some people off and, and, you know. But that's where the good cop, bad cop thing comes in because sometimes it's, it's not, I hate to talk about process, but like sometimes it's not exactly what you do. It's how people feel about what you do. And we have talked time and time again, the three of us, about how Bill de Blasio and his unforced errors, where it's like, you're actually doing the thing that we asked you to do, but the way you went about it, now we're all mad at you, right? Yeah. And I think Eric Adams might, if he's careful, and this remains to be seen, he can sort of look you in the, in the face, Ben, and be like, yeah, no, you're not going to get the thing that you wanted. Maybe I said I was going to work on it, but hey, I genuinely tried to work on it, and you saw me genuinely try to work on it, so now you're not, you don't hate me that I couldn't get it done, because you saw me try and make, you know, make an effort. Now, this is optimistic yeah. Chrissy Greer on November 2nd. I don't know how we'll feel November 2nd, 2022, where he's made some promises and, and may not have been able to fulfill. But we've already mm -hmm. seen, sorry, Harry, just very quickly, we've already seen with him, he, you know, he talks about being perfectly imperfect and, and mm -hmm. you, know, you sort of hear these things, but, it, but he, hate, he doesn't want to be criticized. He hates right. being criticized, right? So we really, we need to see who this guy is in the transition period and who yeah. he is as mayor. Because he's got some wild cop energy. If, if, if anything else, he hasn't learned some of the biggest lessons from Bill de Blasio, as you're getting at some, and there's mm -hmm. many others that we could discuss. If he hasn't learned from some of those, you, you hear him on the campaign trail, it sounds like he has taken a lot of that into his uh, persona and his view of the position. But then you also get some real red flags that he might be repeating some of the same mistakes mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that should be concerning to all of us who want a better mayor than, than we've had.
So look, the cause for optimism, Ben just brought this up, right? He says, damn right, I've talked to gang members. And he says, if you look at this, you're going to find lots of kids with learning disabilities, with trauma, with all sorts of issues, and we have to deal with that. And then he goes right from that to, and on January 1st, take those guns, paraphrasing, you got to cut that shit out. Those are both very good, healthy messages, and they're not immediately or directly in conflict. Uh, People don't want kids going around carrying and using guns, and they they don't want you to just lock everyone up so that you're thinking both about the long-term problem and the short-term problem. And he's a guy who clearly contains multitudes that way and can be charming and smart about it. The case for pessimism is, uh, look, New York Magazine staked out his uh, home, definitely his house, right? And uh, that he lives in or he doesn't. There's questions about his tax filings and so on. He's refiled them several times. He loves his accountant too much. And he shows up there a couple of times, so he's not sleeping there every night. At one point, he shows up, parks his car in front of a garage. People need to get in. They, they sort of manually tow his car. He gets up in the morning to use his car again. There's traffic. He drives on the sidewalk to get around the traffic. Like, this is a guy who who is gotten away with things, um, which, by the way, any politician who gets up to the level of getting elected mayor, almost definitionally, there's some of that. But we saw this with Bill de Blasio. We see this with every mayor. Once you win, you, you think your method works. You're smarter than and you know better than everyone else. He has been thin-skinned about, about criticism, and in my view, sometimes perfectly inbounds ones already, uh, directly and through surrogates. And some of those behaviors and the stuff you've gotten away with as a uh, perfectly imperfect person, to borrow another phrase from his speech, it's different when you're under the big spotlight and when you don't have symbolic power, like a borough president does, or largely a state senator, but you're really running the show. So I'm very optimistic. I think he's he's somebody who's dreamed about this for a long time, doesn't want to screw it up and has very big ambitions and is excited about this job in a a way that I do not believe Bill de Blasio was. I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, You know, my question really is, is if someone who had the self-control to stop eating uh, meat and shift to an all vegan diet and to transform himself in other ways can really grow and spread in the office, or if he's going to repeat the mistakes he's made up to this point and that his predecessors have made before him. I think it's a really open question and it's going to be harder to judge. Lastly, because as you guys have noticed, he's, he's talked in very broad terms and about very good things. You know, we're, we're not going to fight with the business community, but we're going to make sure that whatever we're doing with them is for the prosperity of the larger city. This place has to be affordable for all of us who lived here and invested in place. Yes, yes, yes. You know, shoot this right into my veins. I, I, I'm 100% with you. But we don't know what this actually means. And he hasn't actually put down very many markers past, you know, uh, 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 prosperity begins with safety. Yes. So if you can do that and and turn that rhetoric into a reality, we're going to have less policing in a safer city. I'm with him 200%. uh, But but the the mechanics of that and what it means in practice is going to be, I think, a lot more complicated than, than the campaign rhetoric he did so well with. And as things just incidentally shifted in his direction in a big way. So as much as I don't like Andrew Yang and like to think he would have just blown himself up in any case, you know, Bradley Tuff says, and I don't think he's wrong, you know, that, that there was a 
post-corona revival narrative and Yang was winning. Uh, and then there was a public safety narrative and Adams was winning. And I think, I think when you take the broad view, that's right. And, and here we are. And Eric Adams is the mayor. I'm excited. And I, I just really hope that we get to see his best self. And listen, you know, I think one of the biggest things we've learned from Bill de Blasio is that you can have a lot of really good intentions and royally screw so much up. Um, even when you have a ton of wind at your back with, you know, full city coffers, really low unemployment, uh, all sorts of advantages. And that it's a job that requires a lot of focus on the nitty gritty, tough decisions, management, execution, uh, follow through. And you either have to be someone who lets your top people really run with things, or you have to be a nose to the grindstone manager who's decisive and really into all of all of that stuff. But you can't be like Bill de Blasio has been, which is like a micromanager who's also aloof and indecisive because we, I mean, it's just, that's disastrous, whatever position you might hold. So, you know, I think Eric Adams has seen a lot of that. That's what, you know, that's some more of what I was referring to before about some of the lessons from de Blasio. Um, but a lot of that is really hard to do and really hard to navigate. And one of the questions around Eric Adams is, is what kind of leader he's going to be. And, and we just don't, we just don't know when you, when you are making this kind of leap from running a borough president's office to running the city, it's so hard to know. And that will also go back to some of the most important decisions he's going to make around appointments. And is he paying back a lot of political favors or is he really appointing the best people for the job and letting them, you know, he sets the priorities and then he lets them really run with it and execute and manage. And that we're, we're a ways from seeing, seeing. Yeah. Well, I think that's, that's one of my curiosities and concerns. I mean, like, let's, let's keep it 100. Most electeds, you know, spend X percent of, you know, doling out favors to folks when it comes to particular cabinet positions or, you know, inner circle positions or satellite positions, whatever it may be. So we get it. You know, there's a certain level of patronage politics and mm -hmm. nepotism that, that just naturally happens. So I don't want to be hyper vigilant, you know, on, on something that sadly is just kind of business as usual. Where I am somewhat concerned is that I've always felt that de Blasio had really, really, really good people around him and didn't listen to them by and large. I don't know who Adam's people are. And so, and, and some that I do know, I'm like, Ooh, Oh, oh my, <laughs> that seems like a vestige from either the past or someplace that I'm just not interested in having that person in city hall. So I think obviously I'm curious about NYPD commissioner curious about the school chancellor. I'm curious about the public health commissioner. Those are sort of the three jobs that will give me some sort of window into where he's thinking. But, you know, some of the old school city council members and, you know, folks from Albany that seem to be in his brain trust, I'm like, Ugh, are they, you know, are they brains in the first place? I don't know, Eric. Like, I'm not sure. So I really do hope that, you know, I know a lot of folks from the de Blasio administration are, are just kind of you know, they're done with public service. They've moved on. But I do hope that some of those folks will circle back and recognize like, okay, 
it's a different administration. Maybe we can actually get something done under different leadership and come back to public service because I, I do think that Adams needs some strong people around. I mean, all mayors need strong people around him, but I think he in particular needs strong people around him that yeah. he'll actually listen to. You know, I've been thinking about a couple of things on along these lines, which one is it's maybe, you know, sort of under discussed because it's kind of taken for granted now that the city has moved more and more democratic, but you know, this is the first Democrat to Democrat handoff of power in New York City in <laughs> 30 Since plus Koch, years, right? Touch to Dinkins. Yeah, exactly. Um, so that that's pretty, you know, that's pretty interesting. Um, and thus the very low turnout, incidentally, this looks like it's going to be the lowest turnout since 1985. Huh. Uh, because, you know, w- when Democrats are handing power to Democrats, like general elections just don't matter the same way. Um. Yeah, that's that's very interesting, and and the low city turnout, another kind of big overarching uh, election night uh, issue is these five ballot proposals that are voted on across the state. Yeah. Those look like several of them are going down uh, in part because they're winning in New York City, but the turnout's not that high in the city, and and turnout elsewhere where the no votes are winning on uh, on on some of these voting reforms and redistricting reform is very interesting. Um, but the other thing to to your point. Uh, Chrissy, is that when de Blasio was coming in, you had all these sort of like Dinkins veterans and and sort of people that were younger in the Dinkin years or or sort of middle age, and they were itching to get back to city government to sort of mm-hmm. p- pick up that mantle and get a Democrat back in and a progressive, et cetera. And now with Adams coming in, it's like, you know, to your point, who are the sort of like steady old hands? You know, what's the bench look like? Who can he bring in to, you know, as the deputy mayors and as some of these top commissioners and such, you know, how's that going to work? Um, and totally agree with your point. I mean, there's some degree of, you know, my political allies, you know, get some positions and hopefully you match those up well enough. I mean, I guess is the biggest, you know, concern there. Um, but it, the, the bench of who, you know, who, who did, did so many talented people sort of go into the de Blasio administration and then get out and they're not, not interested in coming back to city service. I mean, it'd be very interesting to see how he fills out his, his. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think some people, you know, obviously are exhausted by, you know, working in city government, as we know, LBJ told us, it's, you know, (laughs) he's like, everything around him is exploding. He's like, it could be worse. I could be a mayor. Right. And we know (laughs) that they work, you know, 80 hours a day and, I mean, that's it's pub, it's real public service. And we get that. Um, I, I just, I do worry that, you know, uh, some of the folks around him, I don't know if they'll cut corners. I don't know if they're public servants like Eric Adams. I do think that some Democrats might feel a touch uncomfortable because it seems like Eric Adams is possibly going to, you know, work closely with Republicans and maybe even have some in the inner circle and inner cabinets. Um which is not something that, you know, New York City Democrats are necessarily accustomed to or, or comfortable with. So I it's just we're in we're in the wild card territory. But I will say, I think one point of optimism and Harry and I have talked about this in, in other episodes is that it does, I think, help with morale in the city when you have a mayor who's actually interested in the job and actually interested in, in sort of trying to figure out the job. I do think that that can actually take Adams. It's not going to carry him across the finish line, 
but it'll give him a certain level of goodwill. And keep in mind, the elephant in the room that we have not mentioned is he's a black man, y'all. So like, there's a certain level of grace that he's not going to get. So this enthusiasm, though, for the city will give him a little bit of a cushion that otherwise black black electeds just don't get. They don't get from the press. They don't get it from voters. And so he he has this other sort of minor Achilles heel that he's coming into the office with that all black electeds come into cities with, whether it's a majority black city or not. And New York City is not a majority black city. There's going to be some really interesting tension, I think, between Adams soaking up the job and sort of the what I think honeymoon period that he will likely get vert, you know, that is in tension with some of his bad habits around sort of thinking that he, that he can play by his own rules. And some of the things that are echoes of de Blasio, I think with fundraising stuff, I mean, you know, there's just a lot of traps that, that again, hopefully he doesn't walk into that. He's learned from the current mayor, but I'm not sure. And you know, he's got these, the stuff, some of the stuff that Harry mentioned. I don't know that the stuff around his residency and his taxes is going anywhere. And he hasn't, you know, maybe the taxes are settled. He's filed, you know, some of the, the um, amendments. Um, but, you know, hopefully he takes care of all that stuff and is straightforward or just says he's going to move into Gracie Mansion on January 1st and the residency stuff is over. I, you know, but he's got. Is he moving of- into Gracie Mansion? I thought he said he wasn't going to. No, I said, I said, hopefully, no, I'm I'm genuinely curious. I don't don't think he said that, but I can't, (laughs) where's he going to live? You can't, you can't live. Jersey, his car. I don't know. You know, he's going to live in a garden apartment that maybe, (laughs) maybe he does or doesn't live in. I mean, it's not. With sneakers by the pillow. De Blasio pulled this too. And he actually had a house that he was living in with his family where he said, maybe I'm not. So Adams is. I feel like it's all but certain I could be wrong that he'll move into Gracie mansion and maybe a lot of this will be put, put behind him. But, you know, there's like these, these things that could trip up what I think would otherwise be a really good honeymoon period for him uh, as this breath of fresh air after de Blasio. But again, I, you know, I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I feel like some of the stuff that he quickly was saying about being a new face of the democratic party and a national model and some Mm -hmm. of this stuff, Mm-hmm. raised some big red mm-hmm. flags for me because mm-hmm. it sounded like de Blasio, right? And mm-hmm. he, But he said it in, I want to show America how to run a city. So if, you, if he does it that way, as opposed to trying to unveil some national agenda like de Blasio did and going to Washington, D.C. to do it, then maybe he can soak up some national spotlight by actually doing the job and getting you know the plaudits for it. To be fair... You have these very rare moments where you get to raise your hand and say, hello, it's me. I'm introducing myself to America. And, and it's difficult and maybe even unfair to ask people not to do that when, when, when the ball is rolling that I mean, way. You can show, not tell. I don't, you know, like, I don't know that he needs to be the one to say, I'm the new face of the Democratic Party. Like, people are going to say that for you. Just, just do the thing. You know? With this honeymoon period, my, my, my big question is, what does he want from Albany? What does he want from Governor Kathy Hochul, who uh, he has some chits with already? Because I'm not clear on that. She's, and he's got this one year to extract what he can as they're all running. Yeah, she, she'll, she'll give him probably pretty much whatever he wants. But I don't know that he... What does um, he want? Yeah, well, what, 
See here, but this is this is again an advantage that he has, which is he can be very calculating about it. He can work the relationships really well. Build. Uh, we I don't know. Sometimes I think you know we overdo the discussion about De Blasio, and the, but you know De Blasio was coming in with a fight on his hands with Andrew Cuomo, right? And Eric Adams is, as of now, at least not doing that with Kathy Hochul, right? So um, I, this, but that question is basically goes across the Eric Adams agenda, which is like, what does he really want to do? Right. What are his top priorities? Like he's going to run the police department better. That's his number one promise, right? To, to make it more safe, to get officers who shouldn't be on the force off the force, more accountability, more safety, run the police department better. Number one promise, no question about it. After that, he says he's going to reinvent the education system prenatal to career. That's a big deal. What's that going to look like? He wants to be a public health mayor. Okay. You know, let's see what that looks like. You know, I don't know what, like the specifics of the top priorities yeah. are not, are not clear. Um, we just wrote a, a big piece, which I think is really important, which is beyond those couple areas I mentioned, his biggest promise is that he's going to make city government work better. Like that's actually, and as, as sort of wonky and boring as some of that sounds like he he's run on that throughout, like I'm going to make city government work better where people are going to have better access to whether it's public benefits or it's permits or whatever it is. And you know, root out waste and all this stuff and, you know, program to eliminate the gap three to 5% and all these things. He's promising to make city government work a lot better. And that's a really tough and big promise too. Who's going to be yeah. happier at the end guys. Uh, Mike Bloomberg who's very excited about Eric Adams or Bill de Blasio. Who's God maybe running for governor and very excited about Eric Adams. I rebuke that. Um, well, I mean, I think if Adams is, is a success, obviously de Blasio will say like, you know, I teed him up, right? Um, but I see, I could see Eric Adams working with Bloomberg. I mean, you know, Ben, when you mentioned the, the sort of healthy living, I mean, we remember when Bloomberg was trying to take away our, our sugar sodas and these people went mad, right? And also when he was like, hey, guess what? I know it's post 9-11. I know restaurants are really struggling and people need to be out and about, but like, Hey, guess what? You can't smoke in bars and restaurants. And folks were like, what are you talking about? We need people out of their homes. We need them back in these restaurants and clubs and bars, spending money, you know, not being afraid. And Bloomberg was like, well, you know what? On the back end, it's going to cost us more money. So like, no, you can't smoke. And I'm not going to, I'm going to cut off a whole generation of smokers and, and make sure that, you know, I make it really hard. I'm going to tax the hell out of these cigarettes. And he did it in a lot of ways. I mean, just working on a college campus, I just know seeing the number of, you know, students who smoked in our day versus the number of students who smoke now, it's, it's drastically decreased. So I'm curious to see what Eric Adams does with you know, this healthy living as a proxy for a lot of things. But, um, you know, will he try and go into the school system and say, you know, hey, guess what? No more curly fries and chicken sandwiches. And, you know, pizza on Wednesdays, like we're not doing that anymore. It's all about, you know, figuring out a way to work with maybe it's the private sector. He said it today, like, hey, there's nothing wrong with business. Like, you know, does he team up a la Bloomberg to sort of start pushing forward um, a, a health slash public health agenda, you know, 
de Blasio had thrive in his sort of mental health, public health situation. And maybe Eric Adams comes in with something that's a little more public private um, to change the way we behave. My guess, I think those are all great points. My guess is that Bloomberg is a little more happy with Eric Adams than de Blasio is, but I don't know, you know, the, the thing about, you know, Eric Adams' promises is that he's, again, he's sort of promising to be, you know, something for everyone. And if he can, if he can be friendlier with the business community and wealthier New Yorkers, but do all the other things that he's saying he's going to do, you know, he's got to, he, you know, I, I don't think it's likely that you can do all of that, but I do think there's an opportunity to sort of bring a lot more people along than either of his two predecessors did because they alienated, you know, such big swaths of uh, um, the public. I, I think, I think Adams, you know, when he has to make really tough decisions around housing, around transit, around use of public space, around development. I mean, these are things where he's going to really have to figure out what his agenda is and mm-hmm. fight for it. And the thing about whether it's public health or education or housing or whatever it is, Eric Adams can be such a better messenger for any of it than Bloomberg or de Blasio was, right? Okay. I mean, this is a guy who grew up in the city, was a cop, struggled in school, all of these things. Mm-hmm. And so again, it comes down to how he actually does it, but he's got just this incredible opportunity. That seems like a uh, perfect closing note as we hit midnight here. Uh, ben Max, you have joined us for every election night since we've started this podcast. Uh, you are awesome and we appreciate you and your mm-hmm. insight. Thank you. Oh, it's my, my pleasure. I love this tradition and I'm happy, happy to keep getting invited back. So thank you. It is a beautiful tradition. <laughs> and considering I met you in the green room in 2013 when we were talking oh, about God. de Blasio running for mayor um, and the crowded primary then, it, it just feels, feels great. Eight years went by. Uh, I don't know. I can't decide. Was it a flash or did it, did it, did it <laughs> yeah, feel we, like a hundred years? Yeah, we had a few, we had a few years that were a few hundred years wrapped I mean, in yeah, it. These last well, two. I mean, I guess, can you come back soon? I know it's on the election night, but I mean, Harry and I haven't even talked to you about all of the folks in the governor's race uh, and what that's going to look like, um, which I, I'm just, you know, I, I saw that de Blasio is really dipping his toe in and I have some thoughts. And I do want you to come back because the, the point that you ended on is is really poignant because I think as things get complicated, we can't forget that this is only the second black mayor in the history of New York City. Uh, it's only the second sort of non-white mayor in the history yeah. of New York City. And I think there are going to be times where part of the pushback to Eric Adams does have to do with race. And he will most likely call it out. However, there will be times that the pushback against Eric Adams has nothing to do with race. And he might still say it has to do with race mm-hmm. and we're going to have a problem with that. And so what do we do in learning how to work with this wild card of a, of a mayor where sometimes, sure, it's, it's going to need to be said. But other times it's like, Eric, don't hide behind it when it's actually your bad. So 
that's going to be some of the growing pains I think we're going to have as a city, as journalists, as folks who cover uh, this, this individual uh, in the 21st century with the shadow of the Republican Party and everything else going on. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm glad you I'm glad you outlined that because that is going to be really tricky territory. Um, and and also goes back to the larger political picture, which is going to be these sort of voices around him of Jamani Williams and Brad Lander. And, you know, how does he respond to the tough audits from the comptroller's office that he said he's going to welcome? And how does Jamani Williams's political ambition crash up against Derek Adams's political tra- uh, ambition? And, you know, how is Adams going to play in the gubernatorial race? He's probably going to try to stay out of it, but he's got, you know, de Blasio who just helped him a little bit. And, uh, Kathy Hochul, who he needs stuff from in his first, you know, six months. So be very interesting. Stay tuned. Uh, Ben, Chrissy, thank you guys. And, uh, we'll keep talking. Thank you. Thank you. F-A-Q. Uh, I don't know if I remember this. FAQ NYC is a production of Racket Media and a proud member of the Brickhouse Cooperative of Independent Artists, Journalists, and Others. We're hosted at the McSilver Institute for Poverty, Policy, and Research and recorded this week from the one best borough, Kings County, Brooklyn. Special thank you to our guest, uh, the one and only Ben Max. Find him at Gotham Gazette on all the podcasts, not just this one, and uh, wherever smart political opinions about New York are found. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, let us know your thoughts and be safe, be kind, be good, and goodbye. Bow, bow. Yeah, well.